Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. guys, we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. I'm Tom. And we're all in a good mood tonight. We are in a good mood tonight. I've got a little extra pep in my step because I told myself I needed it. (laughs) We had such a great recording last night and now we we have another great show tonight. Yeah. That's why I'm a smidge tired, but it was absolutely 100% worth it. It was. And all it taught me was we need to do more recordings with uh, like the whole gang of core podcasts. hosts like that. Yeah. yeah I think we're going to yeah, do we that do. though. We should rotate who's hosting. Yeah, I agree. Yep. That's a good idea. What are we talking we about anyway for those listening that have absolutely zero idea? WandaVision! <laughs> That's right. We promised a WandaVision Patreon episode for y'all and well, by the time we were listening to this, you've got it. It's up there on Patreon. And we were joined by Tim Babb of Can't Wait for Christmas, Mike Westfall of Advent Calendar House Podcast, Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter Podcast, and Jerry D of Totally Rad Podcast. And it was a packed house uh, full of the Avengers of Christmas podcasts. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun talking about not just WandaVision, but the MCU in general. And Anthony, of course, in typical Anthony fashion, wore his Justice League shirt. (laughs) I had to. And anyone who follows us on social media knows I had to for the amount of trolling (laughs) Jerry and Tim have been doing of me regarding Zack Snyder's Justice League. (laughs) You're like, well, Wheaton. You're like, well, Wheaton, when he shows up at the Star Wars premiere wearing Star Trek stuff. Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey. All I'll say is I kept my mouth shut for the most part last night regarding Justice League. I will have my day when we do that Justice League podcast and let loose. Future, future uh, Julia, Patreon. Your Easter, looked one, your Easter looked wonderful, by the way. It was wonderful. We had people, we had family over, we had an Easter egg hunt. There were puppies and babies and everything was right with the world. It was wonderful. It was um especially sweet given last year's Easter, which was delightful, but we definitely missed having our family around us. So what about y'all's Easter's? Well, Tom doesn't celebrate for a few weeks. No, but I mean, we celebrated with my in-laws and went ahead and we just decided we're going to, we're going to hobbit it up. So you've heard of first Easter, but what about, have have y'all heard of second Easter? There you go. (laughs) Tom, I actually, I just discovered one of my managers at work. Um, celebrates the same Easter as you because I wished her a happy Easter asked her how her Easter was and she says she celebrates in a few weeks she's orthodox 
So I was like, oh, my good friend Tom is Orthodox. So I know all about your wailing um, in in church during your vigil service. (laughs) Funny. Um, My Easter was good. It was low key. It was um, me and Sarah and my parents and my grandmother and an aunt and Larry. Um, and Larry, Larry's first and Easter. Larry. Yep. Just because not everyone's vaccinated yet and mm-hmm. everyone's, yep. I am totally one of those people. So you see a lot of articles now about how psych, uh, psychiatrists are saying there are actually a lot of people very anxious about returning to normal life mm-hmm. and being around people again. I'm totally one of those because I am an introvert at heart. So I've liked not dealing with I mean, friends and family are fine, but in terms of like going out and just dealing with people I don't want to on a daily basis, I don't miss that at all. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. But. It'll be an adjustment. It's so weird that we're talking about, I don't know. It's just the last year is just still so weird. Even in hindsight, it's just so weird not hindsight that's not an excuse for not you julia all of our listeners to stop wearing masks and social distancing because we are not out of the woods yet listen to your cdc director and the top doctor in the country and don't ruin this for us before when we're there's a light at the end of the tunnel so we have lasted this long just go the next month or two or however long they say we're nearly there people don't get lax now yeah don't ruin my disney trip people can't do that so, again. <laughs> so y'all, we got interesting results in round two of our March Madness bracket. Oh, like did. what? What were I some mean, of the big upsets? I was su- pleasantly surprised that Mrs. Santa Claus beat Rise of the Guardians. That was a really close race. Mm-hmm. I was not as, I was very surprised. I'm happy Christmas Vacation beat It's a Wonderful Life. But I was very surprised how not close that race was. I was too. Considering we do have a lot of listeners, there's a lot of love for It's a Wonderful Life. Total surprise for me, Nightmare Before Christmas beat out uh, Scrooged. That's crazy to me. Yep. Jerry D won't be happy about that. I really can't believe that. I won't be happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, I just feel like Scrooge has more rewatchability because it's not as serious. And it's also it Christmas. so movie. good. Well, so it's The Nightmare Before Christmas, but I thought it would lose because it seems a lot of pe- more people agree with you, Julia, that's a Halloween movie. So I was surprised yeah. about one. Yeah. Uh, a Christmas Story and Home Alone 2 were tight, but a Christmas Story pulled it out in the end. Yeah. And I was surprised, very surprised. I know you guys weren't by how close, or Tom wasn't, by how close Noel and Disney's Christmas Carol were. I was, listeners, I was telling Tom and Julie beforehand. It was within six. I mean, I was surprised. And as of of this morning, your Christmas Carol was leading. Those two kept switching positions like till the very end. So, I mean, I expect Noel to, Noel to win, but I am pleasantly surprised by how well Christmas Carol did because y'all mm-hmm. know I love that movie. Oh, yeah. I I do really like Noel, though. I love Noel. I think y'all know that. Really? I didn't have an idea. I had no idea. <laughs> yes, I, I do. I'm a big fan. I'll, I'll try to up my, my praise of Noel on random occasions just so it never <laughs> loses that place in your mind to remember it. Uh-huh. Looking at round 
three's matchups, which you can vote for now, vote in now. Are there any big ones coming up that you think are going to be hard for people to decide between? Because I don't really think there are, except maybe the two Miracle on 34th Streets. And I'm excited about that one. I really am. <laughs> I think everything else seems pretty easy. I mean, at least to me. I don't know about our listeners who vote in this. I think the Nightmare Before Christmas and Dr. Seuss's The Grinch going up against oh, one I another see. could be interesting. I mean, there's a clear winner for me, but there's a lot more love for one of those movies than I thought there would be. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. A Christmas Story and Home Alone could be interesting. I think Home Alone will take it, but I mean, there's a lot of love for a Christmas Story. There is. There's a whole lot. Are we finding that more people are voting as we narrow down the brackets? More people voted this week. I think that's part of it. It's a lot less to get through all of it. It's a lot less. It's not decision fatigue. I mean, the first, the last one was, I mean, the first one was like 32, I think, 32 yeah. categories to vote on. This week will just be eight, so it'll take no time at all. Yep. So y'all, I have a confession to make. I have reached the stage of pandemic life because we're not quite back 100% to normal life yet. We're nearly there. But I've reached the stage of pandemic life where I have watched all the good movies and TV shows and I have turned to crappy reality TV. And, oh. I, and I am sad and embarrassed to say that I have become obsessed with a particularly crappy reality TV show. Are you watching The Bachelor? That I am missing tonight to record for our listeners, and I will be watching as soon as we hop off. It's The Bachelor, so, isn't it? No, although The Bachelor, I've always tuned in just for the first few weeks when there are a bunch of people because oh, I like seeing how catty they get. But um, Which one are we talking about? USA's Temptation Island. <laughs> Oh my oh. lord, that one is so much worse. <laughs> Anthony. Anthony. I I am so into it. I know it's awful. <laughs> I, I am fully aware by how awful it is and how embarrassing it is. I turned it on once and I was like, this is it was like it hooked me with how away. crappy it was. And then I literally went back and watched the prior episodes on Hulu and I'm like oh my god I can't wait to see who's leaving the island with who and who's <laughs> whose relationship was strong enough to resist oh temptation <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert I wouldn't stick with any of them if that was me but yeah no kidding the whole premise of the show would nullify any future mates <laughs> I mean I'm just gonna say listeners if there's any temptation island fans out there hit me up because I want to talk about what a sociopath Kendall is not our listener Stop Kendall it. Not our listener, Kendall. Kendall on Temptation Island. I'm so embarrassed for you. <laughs> all I'm going to say is Erica deserves better than Kendall. That's all I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is you don't deserve better than anything. I'm disappointed. No, okay. Lovely person. They put them in separate villas for the whole stay. I don't care. No, if, no, no, if no. They were I just want to care less. It doesn't I, exist for me. I just want to tell you how absurd this is they put them in separate villas for the whole stay the girls in one villa the guys in the other villa then they bring in 20 singles in each villa like 20 single females for the guys villa and 20 single males for the girls villa and they're seeing if they can like make a connection but then like every night there's a bonfire where the host shows some video clips of what their mate is doing on the other side but with no context whatsoever and like 
poor Erica had to watch Kendall. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy's a sociopath. This guy's a crazy sociopath. Erica, you deserve better. And I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed for myself. Let's move on. I just wanted to say that. Why are you the way you are? Honestly, (laughs) every time we try to have anything nice, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. You know what, Tom, for once I'm with you because I do, I hate the fact (laughs) that I have succumbed to this as well. I'm hoping there will be a long enough wait between this season and next season. It loses everything for me. And with life going back to normal, I don't feel the need to tune in next season, but right now I'm Mm. all in. Oh boy. Right now I'm all in. And hey, look, I got my new Peanuts tattoo last week, guys. I'm a happy. It looks so good. I love it. You didn't. (laughs) <laughs> You're trying to talk about the future. There's nothing there. Uh, Julia, really, Julia Saad. Uber pasty forearm. Julia Saad, because Julia, uber pasty. I asked her opinion. I asked for her artistic eye opinion, and she helped me decide on something for the tattoo. Thanks so much so for asking me. Actually... I'm glad I could be a part of it. <laughs> dum-dum. What, what so cartoon dumb. character says that? Oh, dum-dum. The Great Gazoo. You know who the Great Gazoo is. The little Easter green Island thing says dum dum. The little green alien on the Flintstones. Yeah. Don't you remember? Yeah. The Great Kazoo. Only Fred and Barty could see him, and he would always call them dum dums. I wasn't yep. a Flintstones fan. I was a Jetsons fan. You were the point. I was a both fan. Why choose? Why choose? They said the they like their crossovers. I like their crossovers yeah. too. I liked how Hanna Barbera tried to make it seem like they were in different timelines, but really the Jetsons are privileged and living above like the post-apocalyptic earth. I tell you what, that theory you shared when we covered the Flintstones Christmas has messed me up because that's all I think about now when I see them. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, the Christmas episode hints at it. They passed full civilized villages when they're flying around that planet. That's all I'm saying. Bonkers. And Flintstones is coming up on our list again. We're covering that with Sean Sorka in a few weeks of Flintstone Christmas Carol. So milestone, because it'll be the first time Sean of a Christmas podcast podcast is going to guest host our show. And it's the first time we're covering a Christmas Carol this year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we're pretty we're pretty deep in the year comparatively. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's true. Given our past, that is true. Yep. Good stuff coming. Good stuff tonight. Also, um, we are we concluding. Yeah, we're concluding two things. We're concluding TV month in a little bit <laughs> longer <laughs> than a month. TV longer than a month. Um, but we're concluding our home improvement Christmas episodes. This is the third in a series of three. So if you're just coming into this, you've got two episodes to catch up on. If you want to stay chronologically correct with the home improvement Christmas episodes, and you should, because we've enjoyed the show and we've enjoyed the episodes. So you should definitely listen to those. But tonight we are talking about season five, season seven and season eight. That's right. So let's start with season five. It was season well, my, five. My, my history with the show is I watched it two weeks ago. I watched it two weeks before that. I watched it <laughs> growing up. Anyway. Was anybody was there anybody famous in this show at all? I mean, there was one character on this show I could see maybe going on in his older age to play Santa Claus, possibly. I don't know. 
And if you want to hear more about the cast and our histories with Home Improvement, you can stop here and you can go to the first two Home Improvement episodes where we did cover cast and credits. And I mean, you should. Because there are themes in these episodes that are that echo throughout all of the Christmas episodes, and it would be remiss if you deprived yourself of the whole home improvement Christmas experience. And I'd be remiss if I didn't just correct my joke there. I said, oh, I can see a guy playing Santa when he gets older. He was actually playing Santa for the first time while he was on the show. So at the same time. Isn't that way, weird, weird to think show. about? Well, it's totally weird. Yep. So picking up with season five, five, episode 12, it is Twas the Flight Before Christmas. Uh, this one aired in 1995 on December 12th. This is mid-series. I mean, they only had eight seasons, so we're kind of smack in the middle. We're on the late end of smack in the middle of the series. Did it bother anyone, by the way, that they just had one season where there wasn't a Christmas episode? Like when I was looking through, I was like, they yeah. did they did two episodes some years and they just decided to skip this one year toward the end. It bothered me. Yeah, bothered me too. Yeah, it was they weird. They should have done it. Especially since they have so many recurring things in all of their Christmas episodes. Mm. It was missed. Um, so this one, plot synopsis. Tim and Al attend a winter festival for Benford. At the airport, everything is shut down due to snow. The boys decorate for the holiday judging contest and Al's mother wants to join Al and Eileen for New Year's, which forces Eileen to give Al an ultimatum. She makes him choose between her and his mom. That's right. Which yeah, so I feel like they've, yeah, they've done that on Big Bang Theory, <laughs> that same plot line. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, following the home improvement formula. We do open up this episode like we do most home improvement episodes with a little tool time bit. The one in this one, though, is a bit of a, a gun on the mantle moment because it actually comes back at the end of the episode, which I freaking loved. <laughs> so we have uh, we have Tim and Al on the set of Tool Time, and they are talking about uh, electricity. It's Electricity Week. And so lots of jokes with Tim and his ability to shock himself in most situations. Um, they have these electric suits on that prevents them from getting a shock. And it's very funny. Ha ha. Um, you'll notice, or anybody that watches the episode will notice that there is a gigantic snowman on yep. the set of tool time at this moment, which is hard to not think that's a callback to Christmas with the cranks. And or frosty. foreshadowing Christmas with the cranks. Is this before it? Mm -hmm. Dang it. Yeah. I can't keep my timeline right. Yeah, foreshadowing. It looked it. very similar to the one in the movie. It did. It yeah. did. And it's not the first time there was a gigantic snowman on the show. I think the, one of the first two seasons had it as well. So um, the little gag is that he has put these light bulbs on the tree. He's upgraded the tool time set tree with some 500 watt light bulbs. And we can all see that going well. Um, they're extraordinarily bright and it blinds them momentarily. And there's a little gag with each one of them, either talking to a snowman thinking it's the other one or a reindeer thinking it's the other one because they're blind. So, and then we have the fun animated whisk it away and let's go into the commercial break. Did y'all notice how long the opening sequences, the theme song and all of that stuff for home improvement. 
It's like yes. a minute and a half. Like nowadays, you're lucky if it's like 20 seconds. Oh my gosh. It lasts forever. And they cut it down towards the end of the season or towards the end of the series, but like not by much. Like the thing goes on forever. I feel like that's very common for sitcoms as well. The Office did it toward the end when they're trying to squeeze in more plot and just have to yep. cut down. Friends did it for a while, like their final few yep. seasons. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. It was, yep. a, it was a thing of the time, right? Yep. Yep. It dates it. You know what else dates it? What? All of the adult versions of your mama jokes from Tim. Yeah. <laughs> There's quite a few in this episode and even Jill gets in on it because Al's mom is definitely a center part of the plot with Al. Well, we never meet her. She's like a Wallowitz's mom. Like yep. I, I, I didn't, I didn't remember that part of home improvement until we got into this. And I'm like, that's where big bang got this from. I don't know. Everything's just rehashed. Right. Yeah. There is a, um, I just have a quick, your mama, funny story to tell. Uh, <laughs> You know, I watched that show, Impractical Jokers, you know, and, you know, there, there is an episode, one of the pranks they do, they're trying to, they're sitting in a waiting room with strangers and they're reading their texts out loud and trying these ridiculous texts, the other guys are sending them from the other, you know, the other room out loud, trying to get the stranger to help them write a reply and deal with the situation. So, you know, stupid texts are, he's, he's, he's insulting my mother. So the stranger's like, you should write her your mama joke. I wrote a book of your mama jokes. Like this guy, this real guy, he self-published a book of your mama jokes on Amazon. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, okay, cool. Give me one. And this guy, I felt so bad for him because he's a self-published author. The guy was like, uh, right back. Your mama's so fat. It looks like she ate someone. And you, and you could Oh, <laughs> the face and in the back they're like oh my god <laughs> but it was so funny because they have the earpiece in they text it to him first before he could text it and he's like oh my god you'll never believe this they said they told me your mom is so fat looks like she ate someone and the guy's like what how is that possible ethan got off the bus crying from when he was in elementary school and we didn't know why he was crying, but he was like crying hysterically. And he came inside and I'm like, are you okay? Like what happened? Somebody, I don't know, hit you on the bus or something. And he finally calmed down enough. And he said, some kid on the bus said that you were really fat. And I'm like, the kid on the bus doesn't even know me. How did he say that? And he said, well, you said that your mama is so fat. And I was like, oh, buddy, it was a yo mama joke. It's okay. That's sweet. He was like, and then once he understood it, he was like, oh, okay. nothing personal then. <laughs> Good. Do you um, remember MTV's show, Yo Mama? The whole show? No, I had no idea they had one. What, what was oh, it? They had a show, Your Mama, Yo Mama, and uh, Wilmer Valderrama was the host. What? Uh, I think they had like 50 episodes or something. It was, it was ridiculous. So just Yo Mama just, jokes? It was kind of like a rap battle, but there were people going at each other's mamas. Oh my gosh. That's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there were like, uh, there were a few seasons. It was pretty rad. You should check it out. You would like it, Anthony. You've run out of, it's way better than what you're watching. <laughs> you know what? Don't defend it. I'm not going to defend it. There is no yeah. defense for it. I admit yeah, it. I don't that, think he... but... 
<laughs> I, but I know, I know there's at least one listener out there who watches it too who will gladly message me about this. And I oh, look I'm forward sure. to it. Listening. Every time you say it's one listener, we know you're talking about April. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that there's. A, I'm saying I have a feeling there. Oh, must I be thought you knew one. there was a listener. I'm like, if you're saying I know a listener out there, we know it's April. <laughs> I, I'm not going to throw any listeners I may or may not know under the bus by saying names. <clears throat> All right. So uh, as we do with every Christmas episode, there is a light contest going on in the neighborhood, and Tim is an all-out war with the neighbor across the street. Um, and that's right, the proctologist, retired proctologist. Um, so that's definitely a storyline that is, that is happening. Um, it is a little different this time. Um, the boys actually end up having to put the light show on, um, because. Which, which I loved by the way, because Tim too. and Al are going to the bit for winter festival. That's right. So Tim and Al are displaced in this moment. So. Tim and Al are going to go be elves in this, um, or no, they're going to judge or facilitate or something, the elf parade out of town. And it's Christmas Eve. Uh, so I think the, isn't Tim the grand marshal? That's it. They're going to marshal the parade. Yeah. And it's this huge honor. And Al is like totally down with it being a huge honor, but he's a little bit skeptical as to Tim's true intent in going to this parade and we find out while they are flying there um because it is christmas eve i mean it's it's christmas eve it's kind of a big deal right and he thinks he'll be home by christmas and jill is a little strung you know high strung about it hence the title twas the flight before christmas that's right um turns out tim has found like this perfect gift for jill that happens to be in or around where this parade is happening and so it's like a kill two birds with one stone and he's excited by getting her this gift it's this old bookshop that he gets to go to when he's there so they end up getting snowed out of their original destination and rerouted to a small little small airport um, with the most delightful attendant at the counter and we've got all these ongoing gag jokes throughout their whole time at this airport of this guy performing lots of different roles and he's very dry and it's pretty funny and he's just the bane of their existence and we find out he's wilson's buddy (laughs) (laughs) so this is a problem not just because it's going to potentially prevent him from being home for christmas but it's really an owl situation so Al has invited Eileen over to, to the Taylor house. So Eileen is over. She's super excited when she gets there. Tim and Al, this is before Tim and Al have a chance to leave. And she's telling Jill, I'm so excited because Al has finally made a big step here. We will be alone away from his mother for New Year's Eve. And we'll just have some like couple time without her there. Like she's clearly frustrated. Well, Al gets a call or a page from his mother because he has a pager. That's pretty much exclusively for his mother's use. And we've texted him four times already. Oh my gosh. On yeah. the drive over. So, for our younger well, listeners, the- a pager is a little <laughs> black boxy thing you hung on your hip. It's uh, where you could, it, it's a precursor to text messaging. A number would show Doctors up still use them. They've probably seen them on, do- they've probably seen them on doctors. Doctors still use them. Yeah. I guess. Because you just, don't you just text your number don't. to a box? 
Essentially, yeah. And then you get the number that, you know, such and such a number is trying to reach you. Yeah. But I did find it funny. I was like, somebody's paging me. I wonder who it is. And Jill and uh, his girlfriend are both, your mom. <laughs> and it is. And it's his mom saying, oh, I'm cutting my trip short. I'll be home for New Year's Eve and we can spend time together. And what does he do, Mr. No Balls? He rolls over and he's like, oh, it'll be a lot of fun. Eileen and I are super excited about it. This lights Eileen up because she's like, you are once again prioritizing your mother over me. And I have a problem with this. Well, okay. So, Julie, I do have to ask Why you. Why is she wanting to as come a woman, and his mother? I have to ask you as a woman on this show, Julia. Uh, let me preface it with a quote from Al because it sets it up nicely. I still don't know what to do about Eileen and my mother. How can I choose between the woman who means more to me than anything and my girlfriend? <laughs> so so if, if you were in a serious relationship with a gentleman like Al and a gentleman like Howard on Big Bang Theory, like I, how would you react? Because I know like you're a family oriented person. You want people who are close to their family, but you'd find it a little weird how close, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be in a relationship with a man that prioritized his mother as a grown human over me. <laughs> yep, good for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good wouldn't do you. that but yeah so, so in, in my yeah sarah would be the same way yeah she would she won't be in a relationship with people like them but then when she's watching man of steel tim and jerry when zod is about to attack martha ken and superman comes flying over you think you can threaten my mother it melts her heart that he's like a mama's boy like that That's... but like not like uh you know, you know right you can be a mama's boy without yeah yep. without being like Al. Yes. Exactly. You can be a big, a big boy, mama's boy. Big boy, mama's boy. Um, <laughs> okay. So then we have, so we have Al's storyline with Eileen where they're arguing and he's like, you know, is this the end and who do I pick and all of this stuff? I always think of the terrible joke for Eileen. Eileen, because I lost my leg to diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> heard that? No. <laughs> and then we have the storyline where Tim is just trying to get home because he told her, he, he told Jill he would be home for Christmas and it's looking like he's not going to be. So they're trapped at this airport um, with the tiny little um, subplot of just this funny, all for, all for pure funny, the guy that works the desk at the airport. Um, and then we have the boys, which you don't see much of the boys decorating the roof. I mean, you don't see them decorating the roof at all, but you get just little snippets of them decorating the roof for Christmas. So, you know, it's happening. Our Wilson moment, because Tim is in an airport the entire time is with Jill, which we've seen in a few Christmas episodes up until this date. It's not super serious, but she's telling Wilson how, like, what a bummer it'll be if Tim doesn't make it home for Christmas because it's Christmas and because she got him good presents that she's really excited to get him that he's really going to like. And um, it's a cute little moment where Wilson talks about how he knitted his girlfriend a sweater after he raised the sheep, sheared the sheep, whoa, <laughs> like processed the wool, knitted the sweater. And then what are they having for dinner? Lamb chop. Mutton. I, I said, did that remind you of Tom? Because it reminded me of Tom. That's it, like that seemed like something <laughs> Tom would do for his romance. Raise the sheep, shear the sheep, knit I it himself. See. I can see. But it. not eat it. But not eat no, it. No, he would then let although yes. we did have a little ham on Easter. <laughs> Don't worry. 
neither us nor any of our listeners will mention that <laughs> you guys cheated on your uh, special diet. So we do have a little Wilson moment, which is nice. Um, so we get to the point where the weather has lightened up. Um, Tim and Al are seeing this potential to get home just in time for Christmas. Um, and they do, in fact, make it home for Christmas, which is great. Um, but Al, until the very end of this episode, is struggling with what he needs to do. And he asks Tim for advice. And Tim, I mean, gives him the obvious advice that he obviously needs to not pick his mom because... Cut the cord. Yeah. Don't be a dingus. Right. So they get a flight home and they're on the airplane and they think that they're going to make it. And all of a sudden what happens is the pilot comes on and has, <laughs> has realized they're in some real thick fog. And guess what they can't, they can't do, they can't land. <laughs> they can't land where Tim and Al will be getting home on time for Christmas. So they're about to reroute the plane and Tim is just like done. He's like, I am missing everything. And this was a terrible mistake. And you know, what would be happening right about now would be the boys would be lighting the lights for the Christmas contest. And what happens outside the plane window, but the brightest light known to man, because guess what? Tim put on the roof, the 500 white watt light bulbs. Um, the plane. I love that. I love yeah. how that wrapped up. I did too. I, I did too. too. Because nice the pilot comes to on. Rudolph too. Nice little, yeah. That's right. Um, well, we forgot that the, the the weird guy was was offering his house for Tim and Al to stay in. They said yeah, it was forty dollars. He said it was forty dollars, but during uh, uh, you know snow season, it jumped up to two hundred dollars a night. Mm -hmm. And the way they found out they were going to get to leave was he offered to cut them a deal like. <laughs> At forty dollars a night, and they're like, "The storm's cleared, hasn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> so the final scene of the episode is the boys around the table with their trophy. Because guess what finally happened? And it only took the boys doing it to happen was they won the trophy for the light contest. Um, um, and I think part of that was because they put a clown next to baby Jesus instead of the wise men. That's got the most horrifying clown that was a horror. I've that was a Halloween ever clown. seen. <laughs> that thing was super scary. It, um, it did make for some good jokes, though, which we'll get to it in a minute when we get to quilts. But. It did make for good jokes. Um, we see Al and Eileen snuggled up on the couch, and we realize, you know, he's made the right choice. He cut the cord, and they will get to spend New Year's Eve together without his mother. And Jill and Tim are unwrapping presents in front of the fireplace, and he got her a pager because he didn't get to make it to that cute little bookstore after all. Um, and she which, got him some fun tools. Which by the way, Al's pager, what, right? Yeah. Well, by the way, about these book, like these antique bookshops, this is another trope. A lot of TV shows and movies do where like the gift that somebody yeah. wants is like this antique first edition book, which I love. That's it's unrealistic expectations for book lovers like ourselves that <laughs> someone is going to get you like a $2,500, $3,000 first edition book for Christmas. Christine gonna... <laughs> gives me first editions all the time. Yes, my wife just loves me more than yours loves you. Sorry, dude. <laughs> so did we like this episode? I loved this episode. Yes. And it's so weird considering such a large chunk takes place in this bland looking airport, but this one felt really Christmassy to me. Yeah. 
The tool yeah. time set feels really Christmassy and especially when they get home and they probably kept the airport sparse because they didn't want to cozy up that whole situation. It's supposed to feel. Oh, I totally get it. Like it yeah. felt like I've been in airports on Christmas Eve and things like that before around Christmas. And like, that's why it looks, it does look yeah. sparse and depressing and everything yeah. like that. But like, it kind of reminded me as well as, um, Chelsea's secret Santa. They had a whole airport story where the guy was yeah. running home for Christmas but um yeah no i liked it like despite that it really the christmas stuff at home felt really christmasy and i like that al got to grow a bit as a person and you really yeah it was a showcase for al and tim's friendship as well yep yeah i liked that also yeah let's do quotes so like when Jill walks out and sees that the boys put a clown in place of one of the wise men and she says, so the three wise men come bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, frankincense and a seltzer bottle. Now there is a, um, when I went looking for quotes that I didn't write down, I did find out there are two movies called The Flight Before Christmas. I like when Al is rationalizing what happened, uh, you know, debating out loud talking out loud with tim about you know the situation he's in with his mom and his girlfriend and he keeps going on the other hand on the other hand on the other hand and finally tim's like al that's eight hands why not take one of them and slap yourself (laughs) (laughs) there are lots of funny little quips in this one at al's expense you know one thing that was not believable to me what that Tim the Toolman Taylor orders a martini on an airplane. He's not a martini guy. No, he's a beer guy. Martini. I do. We did get the, we, we talked about it already, but we did get the Wilson Jill moments that we all like so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. I did like a Yo Mama joke in this episode. What was it? Uh, no, it's not really a Yo Mama joke. It's a mama joke, though, where Jill's like, Al's mother would put stress on any relationship. And Tim says, Al's mother could put stress on a 20-ton steel beam. (laughs) I don't have the quote, but I really liked it when Jill even threw one back that Tim was not expecting. And Tim was like, you've been hanging out with me too long. (laughs) Did it have a Linus moment? Yeah. What was the moment? Uh, Al learned during this Christmas season, the value of a loved one and how to spread his wings and fly. That's a stretch. Yeah, I'm going to say no last moment. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine because I really like this one. What about you, Anthony? I'm giving it a nine as well. I too am also in addition to you both as well as giving it a nine (laughs) also. Gives us an average of a nine, which makes it the second highest home improvement episode thus far. What? I'm okay with that. I am too. All right. I watched these so, out of order, so that was confusing. Oh, you did? Can't do that. Well, I watched them in the order I could I could find them. Okay. So our next episode is season seven, episode eleven, that aired on December sixteenth of nineteen ninety-seven. That's a lot of sevens and elevens. Um, the episode is Bright Christmas. And this was after a one season hiatus of having Christmas, which is bonkers. Was there a writer's right. strike, maybe? I don't maybe. I don't think I don't so. Because if you look at the 
if you look at the airing of the episode, they there was no long break in episodes. They just didn't do one oh. that here. Weird. I always assume when things are weird that it's a writer's strike. Yeah. But I guess I'm wrong. Okay. So plot synopsis for this one. Uh, Jill's mother is visiting for Christmas, and it is the first one since her husband has died. Uh, Jill is having a hard time seeing her mother with another man because, surprise, Jill's mom is dating. Meanwhile, Tim decorates for Christmas in his usual over-the-top way. I feel like that right. goes without saying. Yeah. It's just this one was kind of rough for me, honestly. It like, sad. yeah, emotionally rough. I get that. All right, so this episode brings back a star we've seen previously in, in another Christmas episode. Um, Jill's mom is played by Polly Holiday. She's back, but her husband is not. Well, he's um, dead so, at this point, correct? He, passed he is. Away. Yeah, that, he passed away. Yes, that's that's the entire like premise of that entire storyline is the fact that he's gone. Right, and it's fresh. I mean, did you watch this episode, Anthony? I don't know how you miss the fact that he's dead. <sighs> I'm explaining for our listeners who don't haven't watched the show all the way through or the backstory, so, or maybe they didn't listen to last week's episode that when last week we were talking about their marital issues, they are not divorced. He has died. So Julia's plot synopsis wasn't good enough where she said it's the first one since her husband died. Didn't make that clear, Anthony. I'm just confused on why you felt the need to ask that question. <laughs> You're just giving Claude like more to keep this going <laughs> we, we do we, we do have to keep it we have to get him on the show eventually and just have make it like a really intense night between me and you tom it would be just, so uncomfortable it's so not nice i think it would be hilarious he wouldn't be more uncomfortable than tom pulling his uh hello anthony how are you nice shtick he does that was uncomfortable. That was the most uncomfortable night of recording in five years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all right. So we open up um, without a tool time in this episode. They don't have a tool time um, bit at the very beginning. Nope. They kind of wedge it in the middle and it's little bitty and kind of inconsequential. Um, so this one, we open up with news on the light show. The neighborhood has made a, a, change to the rules and you can now now the whole process is like highly regulated and this is not good for tim because <laughs> tim has a tendency to go big right go big or go home and he's been like really jacking up the electricity usage every time he does this christmas show and in an effort to be more environmentally friendly they are capping everybody's electricity usage to uh in an effort to be you know good patrons of the environment and preservers and all of that conservers not preservers um can i just say about tim's decorations by the way does does it does looking at his decorations make you guys nostalgic for like those old blow molds and everything like that the decorations bit. of your past i love those yeah i i've yes. I, i've i've told jerry on his show before like i've tried tracking down like old like the old blow molds my parents used to have like on ebay and stuff and they're Oh, expensive now. Yeah, they are expensive. They are expensive. Yes, they are. I like even the new ones that they have. Like at Lowe's every year, they'll get some. Like like the Disney ones, Mickey and Minnie. The Disney ones, yeah. And they're so cute. Really nice ones this year. Like a Christmas one that was. I like, I love the vintage ones though. Like just for the look of them, like the old timey Christmas. Like they're just so Mm -hmm. hard to come by now. 
Yeah. Um, so Tim is struggling throughout the episode, but it's mostly for comedic value with um, how to get creative and still put his light show on in as big a fashion, if not bigger than before. Um, we get some jokes out of it, like the wise man that carries the frankincense is Frankenstein. Uh, we also have a partridge in a pear tree, and it's a partridge. Which one was it? I don't even know which one it was. One Maybe of the partridge. partridges <laughs> in a tree. Yep. Um, so kind of some funny stuff on that one. And he ends up rigging a roller coaster almost between his house and Wilson's house, which was like super cool. And if I had seen that in real life, I would have freaked out. <laughs> it would have been amazing to see. In real yeah. Life. For real though. So that's his little side, side storyline. Um, but the main focus of the episode is really on Jill and her mom. So Jill is very worried about how her mom will take this first Christmas without her husband and Jill's dad. And so she has this, she found this picture um, of her mom and her dad and she got it like restored and framed and like all of this care put into it. And she's very heightened awareness on how her mom will need extra support. She's telling everybody like, you know, when mom comes, just keep her happy and be be supportive and all that stuff. Well, her mom rolls up in there looking fabulous, by the way, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> with like, she just looks so good. Um, and she's very jolly and everybody's, or at least I, as a watcher was like, huh, she doesn't seem upset at all. And so Jill is also questioning this. Wow. You're in such a good mood. Well, the cat gets out of the bag pretty quickly that mom has started dating again. Um, mom has found uh, a gentleman in her area that is quite lovely to date. They go dancing, they do all sorts of fun stuff. And with every word the mom says, and as happy as she is, Jill is like dying inside a little bit because she's like, my dad just died. This and is, it's like what Tom said, like this was really hard to watch because I think like everyone's experienced that first holiday without somebody you really love, whether it's a grandparent, a spouse, a parent, whoever. And uh, like, so Jill's reaction here was so relatable because you do get these people around you trying to, who are, you know, trying to move on when maybe you're not completely ready yet or not dealing with it as well. And so this felt all very relatable to me. Right. We went through this with Christine's family when her grandmother died. Yeah. Grandpa quickly dated and got remarried and Christine had a hard time with it for well over a decade, like it just bothered her because people, you know, like, um, I doubt anybody listening to this will have any uh, connection. So if you look at seeing this, like um, his new wife moved in, she changed everything in the house. They redid the kitchen, got rid of the furniture, took down a bunch of family photos and she just felt like her grandmother was gone again. Um, yeah. So this episode just brought up a lot of that and made me sad. But I did yeah. like the giant reindeer. <laughs> the giant reindeer. Um, beautiful. Oh, well, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, her new boyfriend comes over for Christmas and we get to meet him. And he and Tim hit it off because Tim, he gives Tim like a, a, a workaround. He said, wait, wait, wait. With the, all these uh, electrical requirements, they don't say anything about voltage. You can switch out that, that. 120 for a 220 and you can get all all the voltage 
uh, and still be following the rules. And so Tim loves him. It's yes, such a trope. Tim is like all about him. <laughs> and this is a trope too, right? I'm sorry I keep pointing out the tropes, but it is. A lot of these- No, you should. Going back and watching all these different shows for the podcast throughout all the years, this is a trope too. When a grandparent or a parent dies and they the remaining one starts dating, mm-hmm. it's always a trope where like the new one hits that off really well with a lot of the family and there's always one holdout who just doesn't want to get close to them like that happens on right. a lot of sitcoms right it does and that's what happened in this one yeah. um but even jill admits like parker's so nice he's lovely and um he seems to treat you really well and like all of that like all good um her main issue and she ends up bringing up bringing it up to her mom christmas morning um is I feel like, I mean, what you just, both of y'all just said that dad was forgotten so fast, right? Like it's so Mm -hmm. fresh. And I feel like not just, is he not here, but it feels like he's really not here now. Right. And so she has a really good heart to heart with her mom and her mom talks about how hard it is for her, how hard it was for her initially to say yes to Parker, but how her husband is still with her every day and she's still learning how to navigate the waters too. And just because she has somebody new in her life doesn't mean that he's gone. So they make amends and they talk it out and she opens a picture that Jill had found um, and she's very touched by it. And so we get the sense that going forward, things are going to be just fine and regardless of what happens with Parker and that um, their relationship is intact. Uh, we did have a Jill Wilson moment where they're talking about this thing. This has happened in most of our Christmas episodes. So it's interesting it that she tends to gravitate toward him around the holidays. That's interesting. Well, Tim's so busy doing the light show that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I did love this one. His light show really annoyed Wilson. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never heard him speak so strongly about something in my entire life. You want to give the quote right now? Which one? What Wilson says when that uh, Santa makes his inaugural run on the uh, roller coaster type structure that he has fashioned to take up Wilson's space as well to get around some of the rules. Is it the one where he says, Tim, keep your freaking Santa off my lawn? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like Wilson said, freaking, that's kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. And we all know if it wasn't a family sitcom, he wouldn't have said freaking. That's right. We don't know that because of who, who, because of Wilson's character, right? Everybody, there are lots of good people who, yeah, and I feel like Wilson was at his. He sure acted like it. I did love. (laughs) I'm sorry. One Wilson quote before you get into their heart to heart. One more. I'm sorry. When they turn on the lights and they're all so bright, he's like, "Don't look directly at Jesus." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. I didn't have much to say about their heart to heart, just that, I mean, Wilson kind of echoed all of the things that Jill comes to in conclusion, right. And deals with her mom about, so he's just, he's as always, it's his role in the show is to be a voice of reason um, and a real even keel. And he is in this one as well. Yep. Did it feel Christmassy? It did. The tool time segment helped with that. Um, So the teeny little tool time segment is all about gifting, um, 
you know, what to gift people at Christmas time, but it ends up being a nice seg into toys for tots. They bring in a really big quote sleigh, but really it's like a Binford, you know, it looks like a gigantic wagon, um, full of toys. Um, and it's not the first time you see toys for tots mentioned in, um, this show. So it's nice when they plug stuff that's real out there. I did love Tim's uh, Toys for Tots sweatshirt too. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We are also in the awkward stages of his kids' looks. Not the older kid and not JTT, but the middle kid. Yeah. He's the middle kid, right? He's a very awkward phase. Had to point it out because I do that. Yeah. I do that in a lot of these specials. Yeah. The hair (laughs) is just so 1997. I just wanted to say this one felt Christmassy for me because I love, I feel like when a TV show brings in the extended family or friends to come spend Christmas with them, it automatically makes it feel more real to me because, yeah. you know, like nobody's, uh, that's what a lot of families do. It's the extended family coming over, right? Oh God, so, yes, that's what we, we love that, right? Right, mm-hmm. exactly. I just didn't want to say all because some people don't have that. But yeah, if you have it, that's usually what happens. And yep. So it felt really Christmassy for me, even though it was depressed, a little depressing and hit me in the feels that also that didn't make it feel un-Christmassy to me because there's always a bit of family drama at holidays. And then this Mm -hmm. hearkened a little back to, you know, the melancholy Charlie Brown, like I keep referring to. So I I did, but, but we all come together at the end, which is nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the decorations, regardless of how Christmassy you think it felt like the atmosphere at the Taylor house is always on point at Christmas. Yeah, it is. I like how Tim was sneaking car parts into the tree as decorations. <laughs> but but I, it's weird though, when you're this far into a series to suddenly introduce a new tradition, right? Or something that yeah. you're supposed to be familiar with. Right. And he's never done it before in any of right. the Christmas episodes we've seen. Just like Boy Meets World, it was tradition to put up that aluminum tree, except in the past two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I really liked it. I I don't know if it's a Linus moment, though. Yeah, I, I mean... I think given some of the Linus moments we've, we've let pass, it is. Okay, like I, I'll, I, you can convince me. You can twist my arm on that. We've been pretty... We've been pretty We've been pretty loosey-goosey about the Linus moments, except sometimes for whatever reason. So any quotes before we rank it that we haven't already covered? Yeah, I said my two Wilson quotes. You didn't have, yeah, this one wasn't super quotable because it was pretty heavy. I I was reminded though, like, I mean, Jill-centric episodes remind me of just how good of like mom, wife, and daughter she is. I really like Jill's character. Yeah, I do too. So where are we going to rank this at? I'm giving it an eight. I really liked it. Yep. I was going to do a 7.9. How funny. So that gives us a 7.8. All right. And that takes us to our last home improvement Christmas episode in its eight season run. So this one is home for the holidays. This is season eight, episode 11, which was the final season of home improvement. And this one aired on December 8th of 1998. And this is the season Jonathan Taylor Thomas was not a regular on. They had written him off 
because he was bigger at this time he had left the show so the premise was he was away in college and he comes home this episode which i loved because that automatically is relatable you know coming home for college your first christmas after being away that's right absolutely okay so plot synopsis it's christmas time and that means decorating in tim's neighborhood al is excited to decorate his new home for the first time and proves to be competition for tim randy comes home for christmas and finds things have changed since he left so interesting piece of trivia too this is the last episode jtt appears in he does not come back for the finale the three part oh he didn't no interesting why not? I don't know. Scheduling, probably. <laughs> he was probably too busy uh, making his hit movies, like whatever like he what? did after I'll Be Home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably auditioning for Santa Slay and got rejected because he wasn't oh. good enough for that either. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was rude. awful. That was awful. That was pretty mean. That was mean. <laughs> Okay. All right. So for this one, we do open up with a tool time bit and it's actually Tim and what's her name? Heidi. Heidi. Tim and Heidi and Al all on top of Al's roof of his new house um, and talking about decorating for Christmas and big haha jokes that they're not going to let Tim do anything because Tim gets hurt so frequently. Were you guys more a fan of Heidi or Pam Anderson when she was a tool girl? I liked Heidi. I thought she was fun. I liked Heidi. I liked Heidi. She always seemed really, I don't know, friendly too. I don't, I'm not a huge Pam Anderson fan. Well, though. plus she was. She seemed more like uh, one of the guys too, where Pamela Anderson yeah. was clearly there for the sex appeal. Right. 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 That's exactly right. Um, so we're not joined only by Al, but Al's new girlfriend. Or I guess she might not be new with respect to where the episode was, but um, her name is Trudy and you may have seen her on a league of their own, which as soon as I saw her face, I was like, Oh my gosh, she's Marla Hooch from a league of their own. (laughs) Anyway, so they're on the roof and they're talking about Christmas decorations. And as Al lives in Tim's neighborhood, Al has just become the competition. We see this gigantic Santa inflatable rise up behind the house. And this thing is like ridiculously big. It's like 50 feet tall. It is huge. And he's like, so creepily like peeking over the house too, which is so funny. And they get a good Al's (laughs) Al's mom joke out of it because he's so big. (laughs) So right away, the whole premise of this episode, pitting Tim and Al against one another in the decorating contest. Yeah. Right off the bat going in, like, you know, you're in for a good episode. Yeah. It's it's going to be hot. That's right. So that is the Tim, that is the Tim storyline is he's working on his display like he does in every Christmas episode. Um, But this time it's personal. (laughs) He's doing, he's using the kids to do some reconnaissance on Al's stuff and he's uh, sabotaging some of Al's decorations. So the other storyline we have is really Randy. So Randy ends up being the other big half of this episode. Um, He comes home 
but it's not just home for Christmas. It's different, right? Because um, Tim's brother, Marty, and Marty's wife are going through a divorce or a separation. And so Marty, the brother, and Marty's two daughters, twins, who we saw in a previous Christmas episode as infants, are actually living with Taylor's um, because it's a really hard time for him right now. And so Tim has said, why don't you just come stay with us for a while? How long Um, do they live with them on the show? I can't remember. Um, I feel like it wasn't terribly long, but it was just the episode before this that Tim said, you know, why don't you come stay with us? And it was also Christmas was coming anyway. So like it made sense to really have him come over, but not too long though. I don't remember it being super long. Because that's something TV shows are known for too. Last season, all the kids have grown up and family kids. Yep. Yep. That's true. That's very true. Um, so they're living there and Randy, I mean, that's not expected. Right. And that kind of changes the dynamic. And then it was super weird is Brad and Mark are getting along so well. And Randy feels like he's kind of been edged out, right? Like he struggles the whole episode with where's his place in the family anymore. And I found this so relatable. Like that, again, that first time you come home from Christmas for Christmas, after being away in college or Thanksgiving, whichever holiday you come home for, is um, is always so weird. Like just in like to see how dynamics in the house have shifted in your absence, mm-hmm. or you know, you meet up with friends for the first time who you may not see because you spread out, and like it's you know, mm-hmm. oh, what do we have in common anymore? You know, it's kind of awkward at first. So I felt right. his uncertainty very, I was very relatable in this episode. Right. Oh, it absolutely was. Um, and it's a good bit of acting from him too, because you can tell, you know, that he's, I mean, he has grown as an actor because prior to this episode in between him leaving the show and coming back, he starred in a hit Christmas vehicle for Disney (laughs) called I'll be home for Christmas, which really improved his acting chops. Yeah. Um, so while we're doing this, let's delve into getting to know one another a little bit more. What was it like? Your what was your first time home from college like? So for me, it was I like I couldn't come home weekends or you know even Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving's not a thing over in England, so you don't get the time. So like it was four months of being away. I was gone from like September first to like like three days before Christmas, and in that time, like. I did not gain the freshman 15. I lost like 30 pounds, like, because I didn't eat over there because the food was so, I didn't like the bland food. So, like, <sighs> it happened so quick. To, did you not have Sunday roasts? I mean, that was before I really had made close friends. I'd go over to their houses for Sunday roasts all the time. But I um, had dropped weight so quickly, I looked like sickly. So, like, <laughs> people were worried for me when I came home. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it was different, you know? My sister was in high school. She was always going out with her friends, like my friends and I. It's like I said, like, you know, that first time getting together, it's always different. I wasn't able to come home on weekends. And yeah, it was just different. It was weird. But I mean, like, Christmas morning hits and it was fine. Like once your whole family's around and you're engaging in those traditions again, like it's like you never left. And then you leave again a few weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also good being treated like an adult too, an adult. Like you come back for the first time after living on your own, they treat you a little differently, a more adult-like. You know, my 
parents let me drink in the house, you know, because they figure you're doing it legally in England anyway, 18, like, you know, just don't, you know, go out and get drunk and get in trouble because it's not legal here. Like they treat right. me with, you know, with more adult-like, more mature. So hmm. I appreciate that. How about you yeah. guys? Uh, we moved up from Houston right after I graduated high school. So most of my Christmas memories were tied to the house I grew up in. So we moved to Oklahoma and then it was more that that changed the way that Christmas felt not being older. Um, so I don't know that I remember it being any different coming home from college. Um, cause it was just always different. Once we moved to Oklahoma, it was just a whole dynamic shifted. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, just in a different way. So I, I definitely understand what Randy was saying. Um, just the feeling off. Oh, also my dog talking? had d- died in those three months. So like, oh. like they thought he wasn't eating because I had gone away and, you know, separation anxiety. And then they took him to the vet and he had an aggressive form of cancer. So they had to put him down. So I remember walking out of oh. class one day, getting a voicemail. Like I couldn't even go home and say goodbye. They had, they, the vet said he'd be in too much pain to like, you know, put him on medication for a few months. So, yeah. So that That's was sad. weird coming home to like, dog I knew and loved gone new dog in the house and it's like that uh, episode, like that yeah. episode of home improvement yeah but me and, that new do- me and that new dog became new fast dog. buds <laughs> he, he slept in my bed that first night he was like who is this guy and came up into my room and slept with me that night oh I couldn't wait to get back to college time? when I came home for Christmas oh really well I got like I wasn't even out of too I wasn't even out of Houston before my sister decided to co-opt my room and painted it and had her friends come over and they moved all of my stuff out. So when I went home, it just felt like I had been displaced. Um, And my family was not so great about understanding that I had been at college and not adhere, not did not have to adhere to things like curfew, you know, and, and so there was a little bit of a power struggle. So the first time I came home, I liked it for the first couple of days but I felt much like Randy did I felt very um very lost and I didn't know where I belonged mm-hmm. yeah so no I I'm, I was in the I same boat feel as Randy. that time I feel that time like I there are points maybe not that first Christmas but definitely I could I only came home Christmas and summers so by the time you got to summer and we're home like for an extended few months like I was ready to go back by the end of it like I was like no I need my own schedule my own rules like I need to be my own especially once I got my own flat over there like then it was go. it wasn't like I was moving to a new place like I had that place three years over there so it's like I'm I want to go home to my Mm -hmm. place yeah Hmm. so yep I totally get that Tom so all of these feelings brings Randy to talk to Wilson. So we get a Randy and Wilson moment in this episode. And um, it's a nice one. I, mm-hmm. It's not your normal Wilson just kind of gives him all of the answers. He kind of helps Randy pull it, you know, out of himself as he goes. So we find, we hear Randy talking about, you know, I think I expected nothing would change, but why would I ever expect that? And why would I not want things to change? You know, he talks about 
just that time rolls on and there's no sense in stopping it because you can't, but also like, isn't that a good thing that time rolls on and things are meant to change and that's okay. Um, and Wilson encourages him, you know, have you told mom and dad about that, about your feelings and all of that? And he said, no, I haven't really had time to talk to them. And so Wilson says, make sure you do that. <laughs> they want to talk to you too. And so Randy finds his way up on the roof pretty shortly thereafter. Um, he almost gets hit by a candle or something from <laughs> Tim's decorations. And so he heads up on the roof and Tim starts to ask him, you know, so how's school going? How do you really like it? Um, and then Jill finds her way up there as well. And he gets really good parent time alone um, where you can kind of have a heart to heart with him as well. And, you know, not just catch him up on what's happening, but there's, I don't know. He's like their son. They did such a good job on the show of the sons really feeling like sons to these parents. And I always appreciated the way the Taylors were on the screen. It felt so, real. So one thing I <clears throat> was interesting about watching all these episodes so close to one another, like eight years worth of episodes back to back to back to back over the past few weeks. Like when you're watching it live, obviously you're aging with the characters. You get the break mm -hmm. between like they're aging gradually watching them watching these selective episodes one from each year back to back to back like I appreciated how much older they all got and how much old mature like Tim and Jill by the end look like you know like it, that was interesting to me too when I came from college realizing how much your parents aged in the few months you were gone not that they yeah. aged a lot but like oh my parents are you know, more mature than I remember, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like sure. when I was watching this episode, I was like, wow, just because it was each episode, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't yeah. doing it gradually. Like they got old, older. Yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah, they looked like parents of college a college kids, age and yeah, kids, older yeah. high school kids. That's right. Like the one... There's an image in this episode of her pouring coffee. She's in her bathrobe, her hair up, and with glasses on and everything. I'm like, yeah. that's like total older mom thing. Like, I, yeah. and I was thinking to myself, yeah. And so I liked watching it so compressed like this and seeing how they aged and, you know, mm -hmm. anyway. I yeah, I liked to it too. That. No, that was a great call out because I, it hit me when she asked him if he wanted coffee and he did. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you were that Folgers like, oh, commercial yeah. too. He wasn't, he wasn't flirting with her though. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> See, commercials, an abomination. Um, <laughs> so the episode ends with the family being just fine, you know, with how things are, but it actually ends with Al and his girlfriend and the light show. So how did that turn out? Um, everybody loved Al's display. Um, it turns out Al is still figuring things out because him and Trudy were actually on top of the roof acting like they were a part of the display um, in the end and they get stuck up there. Uh, so it ends on I a love that too. funny note. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember if this is the girl he ends up with. For some reason, I thought Eileen was who he ended up with from the last, last, last episode. Um, so I didn't really remember where what happened to al in the end of it i thought he got married but if y'all want to see what al looks like now go to cameo 
on cameo. I know what he looks like now. <laughs> I just didn't know what happened to Al at the end of this season, as it is the final season of Home Improvement. Yep. You got I really, I really like this one. Everything about this one, the feelings of coming home from college for the first time and being out of place. Um, Tim and Al, you know, anything with Tim and Al with their odds and they have that friendly rivalry. I love you got your classic Wilson moment. Yeah, it just this was everything mm-hmm. I loved about home improvement in one episode. Yep. And I it give it looked a 10. amazing. <gasps> you give it a 10. I do. I love this one so much. Oh, so did nice. it have a Linus moment? It this one felt Linus-y to me, absolutely, with the son talking to the parents and her saying, You always, always have a home here. Yep. I agree. I, I love this one. Do you have any quotes from it? Uh no, you called out that one quote I really liked. It's like it was just a stupid make fun of Tim thing at the beginning where they said, uh, Al and I have taken the ultimate safety precaution. We're not allowing Tim to do any of the work. <laughs> oh, there, were, there was a Randy one too. Randy says, I miss Arnold Schwarzenegger movies in English. And Tim is like, how do they say hasta la vista, baby, in Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> and he's so serious. So funny. I like the little oh, bit, the, speaking of Spanish. There, but I liked how adult the uh, the 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 humor in Spanish between Randy and Wilson got where they're speaking Spanish and Randy's like, you know, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Oh, I'm just roasting my nuts. And, and Randy says, that sounds like that would hurt. (laughs) (laughs) And then when he goes up on the roof and talks to Tim, Tim's like, Oh, what was Wilson talking about? And he goes, his nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Home Improvement, this is also the episode where we realize Wilson this whole time has been their guardian angel and he flies away at the end like a Christmas angel, like in Christmas with the Cranks, that guy who turns out to be an angel and we never see him again. No, he doesn't. That would have been a fitting ending if that <laughs> he turned out to be their angel. Oh my gosh, I'd be so mad if he was an angel this whole time. <laughs> You know what they should have done? They should have killed him off. <gasps> no. It, okay. Imagine dark, like a, imagine a plot line, an ongoing plot line where new neighbors move in and Tim doesn't get along with them very well. Oh man. That would have been interesting. Or moves away. They wouldn't even need to get him off. Like if this actor had decided just to leave the show. That would have been an interesting plot line. We have any other quotes? Or are we ready to rank it? I'm with Tom and I'm giving it a 10. This one's a 10 for me also. Which gives it the distinction of Home Improvement is the only show we have covered that's gotten two 10s in its run. Nice. So was The Blight Before Christmas and Home for the Holidays each got a 10. Twas The Flight Before Christmas got a 9. You'll Better Watch Out got an 8.83. Bright Christmas got a 7.8. I'm scheming of a white Christmas, got a four. Twas a night before chaos, got a 3.067. A frozen moment, got a 2.5. And some like it hot rod, got a 1.67. So really stretch the whole gamut from a one to a 10, two ten. Y'all, I loved revisiting Home Improvement. I had a lot of fun with these episodes. Me too. It just reinforced The show holds up for me. 
Yeah, just reinforce that we need to get more of these classic 80s and 90s shows on the list next year. I agree. I'm glad we're getting to some black and white stuff later this year, though. Bewitched and I Love Lucy and stuff coming up later this year. Yep. So if we have listeners that want to weigh in on their love or, I don't know, hate for home improvement, where can they do that, Anthony? They can do that on all of our social media channels. They can go to tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and they can search us on YouTube by going searching for Tisa Podcast. Um, our Facebook group is by far the most active, so I'd encourage you all to check that out. But besides weighing in on home improvement, I'd also like them to weigh in on the question of the week that was posed to us on Reddit this week, which was listener Dunder and Blixum asked us a question. They said, we're overdue for a question of the week. So here's a suggestion. What's a Christmas story book fairy tale without a movie adaptation that most deserves the big screen treatment? For me, it's got to be the elves and the shoemaker. One of my favorite stories growing up, and we always read it around Christmas time. Other than the limited amount of source material, I was fairly surprised to realize there's no movie adaptation at all. I think we talked about this when we covered, I think, first Pete's Christmas and then Christmas Every Day, how there was a short story called Christmas Every Day from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. But it's never been fully adapted like like that story. No, where, it was like, it's twisted. <laughs> it's yeah, where it's literally Christmas every day. Like time goes on. It's just Christmas every day, and they start running yeah. out of resources and everything. So I think it would be for a dark little twisted thing. See that brought to the big screen. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I could see that. Um, I don't know that you could do a full length movie out of it, but I would like to see some kind, and it's probably been done of the night before Christmas, but in cinematic form, maybe just a short, maybe if we, we give the night before Christmas to Pixar, I'd love to see what Pixar did with that. Oh my God. Now I want that. Now I'll never be able to stop thinking of that. That would be. How has Pixar never done a Christmas movie, by the way? I don't know. Or a holiday movie in general. Like that's crazy. It's probably intentional. Imagine a, pick, a Pixar North Pole that they brought to Disney World. Ugh. What about you, Tom? I'm thinking on it. I would also like to see, so Krampus got a movie. Belschnickel starred in the Santa Chronicles, but there are these other Santa figures from all around the world, like La Bafana and the Pooping Log and a whole bunch of other crazy santa-esque figures like who probably deserve a little more love or like to be brought into mainstream consciousness from other cultures so i'd like to see uh you know them get some love eventually so there's been a book on my christmas on my list of books to read that i haven't bought yet or read uh something like holly claws the the legend of holly claws have y'all read that read that one no No, what's it supposed to be about it's about like Santa and Mrs. Claus get this letter from a little boy who encourages them to have their own child, children, child, who's Holly, but an evil sorcerer freezes Holly's heart uh, and she has to go to New York City to save her like Christmas from a threat. I don't know. I don't know the whole thing. I'm just reading right now the, I had to pull up the, the, um. synopsis um santa and his wife get a daughter but the birth of holly has caused a terrible curse from an evil soul 
Holly's heart is frozen and the gates of forever where they live are locked, barring exit or entry. Um, Holly just has this need to break the spell and wants to go fight to save Christmas. Um, Fantasy elements and Santa with kids, though. How do you feel about that? I don't know. Uh, I would like to see for fans of comics and Batman the Animated Series, Paul, the legendary Paul Dini wrote a graphic novel called Jingle Bell um, about Santa's daughter, Santa and Mrs. Claus's daughter, um, which is pretty fun. It's it would have to be adult. She's kind of like a Harley Quinn-esque. Imagine Harley Quinn as Santa and Mrs. Claus's daughter. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> it, it, but it's it's a lot of fun and you know I I think that'd be an interesting like adult miniseries or movie or something. And I mm-hmm. also do want to give a shout out to the novel I've mentioned before on the show, Marley by John Clinch. And it's a pre A Christmas Carol about uh, Marley's youth and how he meets Scrooge. And I would watch like that. that. I'd also be up for a live action Rudolph. Oh, a live action Rudolph. I mean, if they're doing a live action Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph can't be far behind. And maybe that, that book um, I don't know what year it's from, but um, it's one that I grew up that was a classic in my house called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> well, I'm surprised the Rudolph animated film never made our list yet. Do you remember that one? Came out late 90s. It was like theatrical. John Goodman, Whoopi Goldberg, Debbie Reynolds, they all did voices in it. No. There's like that little that. scheming fox and a polar bear and everything. It was, I haven't seen it in years, but. Huh. But we did we did get some suggestions on Reddit. So uh, Ressy915 wrote Jolly Old Santa Claus by Sparky and Georgie Hinky. That's a lot of Hinky. Love that word. Almost Santa wrote, there's a story that was written by Glenn Beck, who I disagree with mostly politically, but it's called The Incredible Nicholas? Question mark. I can't remember, but it's a really cool origin story for Santa Claus that I really enjoy. I think it'd be a fun way to introduce a new origin story for Santa. So big words from Almost Santa, because there have been a lot of origin stories for Santa. Yep. <clears throat> And then I do, just one second, Disco 54 has been plugging a book for years. I just want to mention real quick. Uh, Disco, <laughs> we got a reply from our very own Tom who said his autobiography. I would watch, <laughs> nice. I, I would watch that. Um, Scott from Holly Jolly Xmas wrote, <clears throat> read Sovine's Faith in Santa. People would watch the road afterwards to cheer themselves up. Oh, I'm the, in. Disco 54 wrote, I've been saying this for the past few years. I'm going to keep banging the drum for it. Tony Wilson, The Last Train Home is one of my favorite Christmas books. It's got everything you need to make a really great film. Art from Cozy Christmas Podcast said, Santa Claus is is for Real by Charles Edward Hall. It was a lovely book and the story of how Hall came to play Santa is very interesting. He's a Radio City Music Hall Santa. I can attest to that. It's a very good book. He's been the Santa for like 50 years at Radio City. He's been playing it like for years. And then one of my favorite answers comes from Manny, a Feliz Navidad, a Feliz Christmas, Merry Navidad, who wrote to me, clearly your book, Anthony. So, which leads me to this year, every Thursday, I am dropping a novel of the Christmas book I'm writing called Another Christmas Story in your feeds. 
um, gotten a lot of great reception from you listeners. So thank you all who listen and take the time to write in your feedback and comment. That means a lot to me. And uh, yeah, so check your feeds because a new episode dropped Thursday, read by me. And this upcoming Thursday, you'll get another chapter read by listener Claude Belanger. Belanger. Tom, where can listeners go for even more bonus content? To Patreon. And let me tell you, if you're not on Patreon, now is the time to subscribe because lots of stuff has been going up. But we may have been slow in January and February. There's been lots of stuff hitting Patreon recently. Most recently, our there WandaVision has. episode. Um, one. If it hasn't been dropped yet, one will be dropping very soon. Um, talking the Hallmark Dream Book with Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter, which, by the way, I'm recording with him tomorrow, y'all, if either of you are around throwing that out there because I never invite you guys apparently and then I get crap from it for it. I will give you no crap. <laughs> and uh an episode with Jay and Ron of Film Strip Podcast who are just awesome guys, awesome dudes. Um I'm recording an episode on Godzilla versus Kong tonight if you're listening to this the day the episode drops. So lots of fun stuff coming. Good stuff. And we have new patrons. We do. We do. We do. We got uh, S. Miller came in as a new patron. Welcome, S. Miller. Welcome, S. Miller. We also need to welcome Matt Spaulding, who came in as one of our top-level patrons, which means we get to welcome you, Matt, and we get to look forward to finding out what episode you want to co-host. Feel free to reach out to us at theelves at tisthepodcast.com when you know what you want to do, and we'll get you on the schedule. And you get to pick the episode, pick the movie we're going to cover, and come on and host it with us. So we're really looking forward to that. And you get to do that every year that you're uh, you're, you're a patron at that level. So we will see you soon, Matt. So Matt, for those of you who don't know, but he has shared on Facebook and Twitter, he is a professional Santa Claus, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me, I never told you guys this story. So Sarah works at a hospital in the HR department. And they just hired somebody who has been a professional Santa for decades. And he is so proud of this role. He gave Sarah and her coworker who works in the HR department, who onboarded him, signed photos of himself as Santa, like the black and white headshots that he's been using for years as Santa. And this guy looks like the real deal. Anyway, Sarah told him uh, we did a Christmas podcast and he's apparently uh, going to be giving us a signed photo of Santa <gasps> to the podcast. So, wow. That's super exciting. Go. Yep. Get excited. I think we have other stuff to get excited for, right, Julia? What's coming next week? We've got some good stuff coming up. So if you want to get a head start, um, next week we will be covering Almost Christmas. Yes, it's a 2016 movie starring uh, Danny Glover, Gabrielle Union, Monique, J.B. Smoove, Omar Epps from House. It's a um, Christmas comedy drama film following a dysfunctional family that comes together for the holidays for the first time since their mother's death. So it sounds like this could be a Julia movie. You know, I love a dysfunctional family story. Then we're back to the world of Rankin Bass. Yes, the little drummer boy. Oh, you're so excited about that. I love the little drummer boy. So you, I know McLean Slaughter wrote on. (laughs) Yeah, he likes it too. In our Facebook group, um, 
every time he sees a Rankin Bass episode drop in our feeds because we just dropped an Easter episode, mm-hmm. uh, he gets nervous because he's wondering how the elves take it. So McLean, I'm sorry that we all hated that Easter one, but you will have a Rankin Bass defender for the little drummer boy. And I'm excited to talk that one. Okay. All right. You know and I'm excited, excited to have Sean and I'm excited to have Sean on the week after that for Flintstones Christmas Carol. Sean's a good yeah. guy. You know what I'm excited about? What time? What are you excited about? There are 6,192 hours until Christmas. That's only 258 days. 36 weeks, y'all. Bye. Do, Do your, your homework. homework. Was that in unison? Was it in unison? Not it sure side. was. Yes! Not on my side. It's not so in unison crossed. on my side, too. Fingers crossed. Bye, y'all. Okay.